Ryan and I have a lot of non-negotiables in our house, the things that we're unwilling to move on. And one of those is growth. Like we are always growing. Everyone's always growing. We know that. We say that as a family. My kids say it. Ryan and Ashley Smith are the epitome of a power couple, and together they have made a huge impact here in the state of Utah. Through the unicorn success of Ryan's company, Qualtrics, and their Five for the Fight NBA patch raising awareness and money for cancer research, to the recent acquisition of the Utah Jazz NBA franchise, and the life-changing philanthropy of their family foundation, they are doing big things. But we all know that the most important work any of us can do is in our own home, right? Well, today, you're going to get a peek into the incredible work Ashley Smith is doing in her home and with her five children. I've been lucky enough to see firsthand what a deliberate and awesome mother she is, as we have been nearly next door neighbors since we moved to Utah almost 10 years ago. And my girls, they've been able to learn from her, too, as they have been students at her dance studio, Smash, which... By the way, she programs the best themed recitals with the cutest costumes. Seriously, so good. Anyway, this chat was a long time coming and a real treat for me as we rarely get a chance to just sit down and talk. And I hope you enjoy learning from a mom who I admire. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. But before we get to the conversation, I have a question. What comes to your mind when you hear the phrase everyday magic? Uh, maybe that magical moment of the day where everyone is in bed and the house is finally quiet? <laughs> yes, that is truly magical. But if we have eyes to see, there are actually many magical moments happening every single day. And I promise you, it's those moments that you're going to want to hold on to when all of your kids are grown up and moving out of the house. So my advice to you, set a goal to start looking for everyday magic. And when you recognize a magical moment, snap a photo, whether it's a child snuggling the dog or the pile of shoes at your front door from all the neighborhood kids, capture the moment and put them in your chat books. And if you're new to chat books, check out the show notes. I have a special promo code for you. Happy chat booking. Well, hello, Ashley. Thank you for being here. I'm part of the Mom Force. Thanks for having me. This is super fun. <laughs> Thanks for just walking down the block. <laughs> so fun to be neighbors. Your life is insane right now. I mean, last time I talked to you, you were getting ready to host the world and celebrities for the NBA All-Star Weekend. How did that go? Oh, it was so fun. Such such a whirlwind, but a really fun experience. I mean, we're we're new. We're new. We're rookies in the NBA. And it was fun to have that pretty quickly. And yeah. it was just fun to show off our state because we love it. We love Utah. Utah. And so to have the chance to go showcase the great things about this state was, was really fun. And have people see what we see. That was it was fun. Yeah, we had a blast. Well, I want to talk all things jazz a little bit later. But before we dig into that, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit because I've been your neighbor for what? Like almost 10 years now, I feel like. Yeah. And we hardly ever get a chance to sit down like this and chat. And so I have questions too. Can we just start from the beginning? Like young Ashley, your childhood, what was it like? What were your ambitions? First of all, I am so thankful for my childhood. And I can say that now as an adult, and I've spent a lot of time looking back on it and super thankful. My parents divorced when I was really young, and we moved to Las Vegas. 
my mom moved us there. And so I didn't have a typical childhood. I didn't have, you know, kind of what everyone's maybe expectations look like in their head. And I doubt any of us did. But, you know, we lived in really small living quarters and it was tight. Things were tight. And everyone was managing a lot of emotions for a lot of years. So I will just say that I am super grateful that I had to figure out how to solve problems myself. I had to figure out how to manage things. I had to figure out how to fix things. I had to figure out how to work Mm -hmm. to get things I needed. Definitely not the life my kids are living, right? And I'm just so grateful because as I think about the things, the characteristics that I've developed that I am proud of, they all came from kind of the struggle of childhood and my experience. And I'm just really grateful that, you know, the universe through my childhood, like created some things that I'm proud of, that I worked hard for, that I can say that now. But obviously at the time, did not have that perspective and I wouldn't expected myself to, but it was hard. It, it definitely things, created so many beautiful things can for sure. I mean, a about. phrase in our house is life is messy. Yeah. Life is messy. And out of the mess comes like the most beautiful things we have. The things we're proud of every time came out of a mess of some sort. And expecting it to be a mess means maybe you won't be as blindsided when things really start to feel like they fall apart because it's inevitable. It's going to happen in every family, no matter how your circumstances or what your privileges are. Yeah, for sure. And Exactly what you said, expecting maybe instead of trying to postpone it or I have spent a lot of my mom years trying to force perfection or not the mess, make sure we don't have a mess. And I would say in the last decade, it's it's been me trying to figure out how to prepare for the mess or handle the mess while I'm in the middle of it or conduct myself through it instead of trying to, like, make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So what were your like lifelines while while you were growing up? For sure, dance. Dance and yes. music. I mean, I'm in arts. I love the arts. That's where my passion is. Dance was for sure my outlet. That is where I went to process all my emotion. That is where I went to express myself. I felt connected there. I felt a part of something. So dance was a very, very huge part of my life. Still is. And I, again, like very thankful for that outlet and thankful for, you know, the training and the, a, a way for that I could grow and a way that I could be improving because that's another thing that I learned through my childhood was that I wanted to fix things and I wanted to make things better and I wanted to improve. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful for that because now I continually am wanting to improve. And that, I mean, Ryan and I have a lot of non-negotiables in our house, the things that we're unwilling to move on. And one of those is growth. Like we are always growing. Everyone's always growing. We know that. We say that as a family. My kids say it. I love that. So dance kind of gave me that love for growth and improvement. Okay. Now I'm curious on what the other non-negotiables are. Oh, wow. Can you share? (laughs) Are there any that you could share with us? Yeah, no, I can share them all. Um, Growth and kindness. Yeah. And hard work. So those are our three, like, we do those three. And we have we have torn apart each of those for a lot of years. So there's a lot within those. Uh-huh. But um, those are our non-negotiables. Like, we are kind, and we are always growing, and like we always work hard. In your marriage hard. and in your family. And, and your kids, kids are growing and up in, in that home. culture. This is who we are. 
That is who we are. And those those are non-negotiable. Those don't change. So when we have a hard decision, when we have a hard moment, when we have struggle and mess, yeah. we can quickly check back with, are, are we at least staying on track with these three yeah. things? And if we are, then we're going to be okay. We have know? something similar. We call it the Quigley Creed. Quigleys are respectful, responsible, considerate, and kind. They're, they hang on it. our wall. We've been reciting them for years. And just like you said, it's just like a touch point to be like, is this in line with our values? Hey, are you being responsible? Is that kind? Like that's that's not what it means to be a Quigley. I think it's so good to just have those really clearly defined and then talk about them all the time. Yeah. I mean, it mostly just helps us in moments when we're not doing our best work yeah. in our heads, which, and I learned this <laughs> from you, I've told you a million times, what? I say argue with your brain all the time now. Argue with your brain because you said it. Yeah. Be the boss of your brain. Be the boss of your brain. And I say it that way too. (laughs) Be the boss of your brain. I say argue with your brain. And when we're not doing our best work inside of our heads, it's just nice to have something that kind of, oh, wait, okay. That's not who I want to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wise. All right. I'm so curious how, like when you were a little girl, did you know that you were going to open a dance studio? (laughs) Was that like a lifelong dream? And like, how did that happen? I mean, I I knew I wanted dance to be a part of my life forever. I definitely did not foresee that. There was a point where I did a very specific type of ballet growing up. Okay. Um, It's called Royal Academy of Dance. And there was a point where I decided to go get certified to teach that, which is a pretty grueling process. And so at that point, I thought, okay, yeah, maybe at some point I'll I'll teach. But no, I did not, even throughout college. And then I graduated. I was working up in Salt Lake. Ryan and I got married. And yeah, so we just kind of decided we had an empty, unfinished basement. Yeah. And I said, you know, if I'm really going to say what my passion is, I would love to teach dance yeah. in the basement. And so we did it. We Just in our, the basement of your yeah. house? Did you have kids at that time? Or? No. Mm-mm. So we took a year to remodel the basement, and I started teaching little girls from my neighborhood. And I had this awesomely supportive neighborhood who were actually sending their children to me. And it was just great. And it was for sure a passion. And it grew from there. And so I've continued to grow as a teacher and and learn and all sorts of education opportunities. And it's just been great. Yeah. So your husband, Ryan, is a very successful entrepreneur. What was that like being parallel entrepreneurs? Nate and I are working together to build our business. And so that that's another layer of complexity. But did he cheer you on? Was he like super supportive? Did he give you? I mean, it's 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 such a path, right? Yeah. And he was very supportive to let me turn our basement into a dance studio. I mean, it was a third of our house. Yeah. But there were definitely hard moments. And we laughed because he was in his dad's basement at the time building Qualtrics. Oh, awesome. So we were like both in <laughs> these different basements. But obviously, I was doing mine for passion. Yeah. And you start a business because you want it to be profitable and help with your family. But luckily, I have been very lucky in that I get to continue my passion and it doesn't need to be our main source yeah. of income. It hasn't ever needed to be that. Well, I think so often... Moms especially, they have a passion. They feel called to do something, but it feel like they can't justify it because it needs to, like, have some type of ROI, like financial reward. But Well, I would say there's a massive ROI. <laughs> it's just not financial. Yes, yes, yes. And that we do need to stop measuring everything. Yep. Now, hey, that is coming from a very, like, I live a very lucky life yeah. I, all the time. So I can spend my time and have it not, the the ROI not be financial. That's not 
I am really lucky. Yeah. So I'm that does not lost on me at all. But the ROI is incredible. Like the return that I get. And there were for sure moments in the past 15, 16, 17 years where I saw Ryan. I mean, this was 15 years ago, right? Ryan on this growth path. He's with people all the time. He's at meetings. Yeah. He's growing and learning. And he'd come home and tell me stories. And I vividly remember moments of thinking, I'm talking to babies and I'm cleaning up throw up and I'm mm-hmm. not growing. And I had yep. kind of what I talked about earlier, that inner thing in me where I needed to be growing. So every time I would have that feeling, I would dive into like, how else can I better myself as a teacher and how else can I better the studio? And it was just a really good way for me to continue to grow and learn. Granted, I was doing that as a mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> learning a lot, yep. growing a lot. But it, as a mom, it's so externally focused as it should be. But to have something that felt like internally I got to improve too, that wasn't about being a mom, was, has been an amazing and such a blessing in both of our lives. Yeah. And Ryan is totally on board with that. He agrees. But there were moments where he, he would come home. There'd be cars everywhere in our cul-de-sac, loud music from the basement. He just wanted to come home from work. And then he's got this chaos going. So there were for sure moments where he was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I but, I bet he saw the growth. And when I had a similar experience, it was actually after Claire was born, after my fifth was born. I love the arts. I mean, I have a music degree and I love performing and singing, but I was lucky enough to have baby, 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 baby. And I wasn't doing much with my music. And I was losing part of me. Like, seriously, after I had Claire, I just couldn't stop crying. It might have been a little postpartum as well. (laughs) But I remember Nate was like, you got to get back out there. Like, you got to find yourself again. And so he found an audition for me. I went out and sang got cast in Evita, singing and dancing. No. And I mean, I had you like... You were Madonna, man. <laughs> I, we had, I mean, Claire That's was like incredible. three months at a time. So it was a huge sacrifice for our whole family. But I hold fast that I was a better mother because I was going after what I loved and what lit me up inside. And yeah, there were sacrifices made, but we were all better off for it. So I love that you have that, had that experience and can preach that from the rooftops. And... I love that the studio you built has been such a blessing to so many families, including ours, because when we moved here to Utah, we were looking for a dance studio and, you know, lucky enough to be your neighbor. All the neighborhood girls went to smash. (laughs) Not only was it convenient, but it was the perfect studio for my girls because they weren't like didn't live and die dance. They just wanted a place, a safe place to go and develop their skills and make friends. And that is what you've built. And I love it. And in fact, I read somewhere what your mission is. It says Smash aims to provide healthy and empowering opportunities for youth to express themselves through the art of dance. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that and why that's so important to you. Well, I think that story from my childhood is why it's important to me, because it has, has and always will be a very safe place for me to express myself and for me to grow. And I definitely get emotional talking about this always because it just has been such an important part of who I am today. And man, to, to be able to surround myself with all of these youth and these other teachers who, man, I have a staff of gold, Mm -hmm. but to surround myself with other people who choose the same art form to grow from is really, really fun, first of all, just straight up fun. But also, I think 
all of the generations that raised us, right? They did the best with what they knew. Yeah. And that when I say raised, I mean all of our coaches and teachers and, and parents or any adults, they were all doing the best they had with what they know. Well, we just know a lot more now. Mm-hmm. We know a lot more about our emotions and about how things play out long term, how the things that we say to our children or to students. And I am just happy to be a part of that change of the world. Right. And to provide a place where toxicity isn't happening. We're not doing it. We're not doing the body image thing and we're not doing mean girl stuff. And we're not, it's just not in this building. And I walk in that building and I have a feeling and I want everyone to have that feeling. So I work really hard to create that culture. And I have a, a team of teachers who are all on board with that culture. We are developing incredible, talented, technical, strong, healthy, yeah. able dancers. But it is a massive focus that we are also creating good humans that we are creating. I mean, we have similar non-negotiables. We call them our core values, but smash dancers are empowered. They are respectful. They are introspective. They are hardworking and they are transparent. And with that model, we're able to learn and grow in the environment and we're able to build each other up and we're a part of something and we're unified and we'll continue to grow that culture. That's it's been a process for yeah. sure. And it's really hard to maintain. It takes so much intentionality. Well, um, any culture does. In yeah. a business, in a family, right. you just gotta you're working on it constantly. And you can't let up. I know. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for me, yeah. right? It's hard for everyone to not go down a toxic path. Yeah. But the dance world for sure tends to go toxic quickly if left. Yeah. To its own devices. I certainly appreciate that. I know my sisters whose kids have gone to your studio. My mm-hmm. little niece, Hazel, she's actually told me what your values are. <laughs> they bring her so much comfort because, I mean, middle age, middle school age girls, like they tend just the world that they live in tends to be a little bit toxic. So they need institutions, teachers, coaches that are reinforcing all of the good that we want and bringing out the good. Yeah. Um, and being transparent and yes, talking about talking the Talking about it. Yes. Because that's one thing is, uh, let's talk about it. (laughs) This didn't go well. There's drama. There's something. Let's talk about it. It's amazing how in Utah, I mean, you talk about like the top tier dance. Like there are studios here that are, they've got dancers on all the TV shows. So you think you dance and Dancing with the Stars. And we live in an amazing state to train to become a dancer. Yes. But I love that your options are endless. Have options, right? And here, if you live in Utah County, you can come to Smash and have this amazing culture. What about people that don't live near Smash? How would you advise them on finding a dance studio with that kind of healthy culture? I think I would first, I mean, meet the teachers, meet the owner, meet the directors understand what their personal values are, understand Mm -hmm. who they are. Because it's kind of like parenthood. If you don't want your kids to yell, don't yell at your Mm -hmm. kids. It's very similar. They just need to be pushing that kind of culture. So I would say get in there and know who's running it and ask them. Ask the questions. How how do you handle these situations? Do you have values? Do you have a mission Find out more about who who will be teaching your children. Find out more about that culture. 
that's really leadership good advice culture. for any organization that you're yeah, going to sign your kids up to. Because sometimes, I mean, I know you have dancers that they're going to your studio almost every day. Like they're there a lot. Um, and if you're going to send your child away to develop in a positive way, you want to make sure that it's under good tutelage. Do you, your studio do competitions? We we go once a year okay. to a convention and dancers who want to may take choreography okay. and receive feedback from the judges. So. Well, in our Mom Force Facebook group, there was actually quite a few conversations going about kids who are in competition dance and moms kind of wondering, is this normal to wear this much makeup and eyelashes and tanning? Like, does my daughter really need a spray tan to go to competition? And I don't know if that's just competition ready or if it's just like, if you're going to be on stage, the the lights wash you out, right? You want to be able to like look your best up there. I'm just wondering if you have an opinion on that, specifically the spray tanning yeah. for I mean, it's definitely kids. my opinion. So <laughs> okay, because I have I'm, an opinion. I'm just curious. I'm not a therapist or a yeah. psychologist, and I'm not a doctor. So, I, you know. Yeah. But my opinion is that the emphasis that is putting on image is a little intense. Yeah. So it maybe depends on the age, but it has nothing to do with the skill. It has nothing to do with how you will be judged Nothing and and if it does, by the way, I would I would probably argue against that specific competition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually even intentional about the one that we go to. I know who the judges are. I figure that out. I understand their morals, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same idea. But but the spray tan, I spray tan. So yeah, don't want to send send <laughs> the wrong vibe. But I don't think spray tans are great. But to send the message that the emphasis of how you look, how your skin looks. When you're dancing, I, I just don't love that message yeah. for me personally. So I don't know. And I, I, I'm an adult who has a lot of self-love. I've spent a lot of years trying to figure out how to love myself. And I spent a yeah. lot of time trying to help my students understand what self-love is. And yeah. it's a process. But it's hard to develop self-love when the same person's telling you to go get a spray tan yeah. to perform. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just think it's just an interesting conversation. And, totally. And parents were all over the board. And my, I mean, I was an on-again, off-again dancer. I actually danced at Disney World in high school. So cool. For a little bit. But my experience with spray tanning on stage is I had the chance to be in Miss USA. I was Miss Utah. And I really felt strongly about representing my true authentic self. And I had done pageants previously. And that was like the first thing they teach you is you got to spray tan. For Miss USA, though, I was like, no, I'm going to just be true me. And I did not spray tan. And as a fair, freckled redhead, I think it was a little blinding. (laughs) At least that's how I'm going to justify my swimsuit scores. But I think when you're talking about like eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Developing that our, worse. our self-image yes. and our self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a conflicting message. Yeah. So it's something to consider. It's just... Yeah. Right. And that is the thing that I'm realizing that, like, as a mom, like, through the 20... Oh, my gosh. I've been at it 26 years now, parenting, that, like, you it's have impressive. to be so intentional. And it's okay if you make a misstep or you do something that you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I want to course correct this way we're going to do that differently i mean that's life that's parenting right i mean another thing we are passionate about is being flexible yes and being able to pivot and i think i might even have i mean i have children who have more confidence than other children of mine yeah so the conversation of the spray tan would maybe be different with those two children of my own right so 
Do what feels best, you know? Okay. Well, I'm ready to pivot now from the world of dance to the jazz, the Utah jazz. You and Ryan, was it in 2020 that you became the new owners of a franchise that has been held by one family for 30 years? Yeah. I mean, that's huge. How how did this come about? <laughs> like, that's not every day yeah, that you just like, no. today we will buy an it NBA franchise. It is not franchise. every day. And, and it has been a very cool part of our story to this point, for sure. We became involved with the Utah Jazz when we started a foundation with a few colleagues at Qualtrics called Five for the Fight. And when Qualtrics very first started, Ryan's dad had kind of built this software. And then Ryan was off doing an internship in California. And he got a phone call that his dad had a pretty severe stage of cancer. Mm. And Ryan immediately dropped the internship, came home to be with his dad. And... So he and his dad were just kind of messing around with this software. And one day Ryan said, Dad, I could sell this. Like, let me play with it. Let's let's do this together. And that is how Qualtrics started. And they always said in those beginning years that if they ever made enough money to be able to be doing philanthropic things, that it would go to cancer. So as soon as that point started, Huntsman Cancer became everything to us, right? And that was where all of our philanthropic efforts went. And then as that grew and as opportunities came up, we created Five for the Fight. And so we ended up taking the patch from the Utah Jazz uniforms Mm -hmm. and Qualtrics purchased the patch and then gave it to the Five for the Fight Foundation. And Which is kind of a big deal because often those patches are just like, a brand awareness play, right? right like you yeah. just put your Which logo on it. And- right, right. And it was a cool opportunity. Yeah. And it was definitely out of the box and something new, which I think the NBA appreciated. I think Gail Miller appreciated. You had to put a spotlight on a charitable cause. So it was cool. It was, it was awesome to be a part of. And again, we had a team of people doing awesome things with awesome ideas and mm-hmm. it was fun. And that's how we developed our relationship with the Miller family. And... Then a few years down the road, Ryan came across an opportunity to be a steward over another franchise. And that that was a hard, hard moment in our marriage. That was a moment where we needed those non-negotiables. And I say moment, I mean months of us talking about it. That was kind of in the thick of COVID. So I remember walking around this neighborhood, trying to talk it out, trying to get to a place of common ground. Mm-hmm. And it just did not feel right for me. We had we had wrapped so much of our lives around the Utah Jazz at this point. I mean, we went to all the games. Yeah. Our children were all in. We It was a part of us, and we had unified around it. And I had a really hard time with the thought of, I mean, there was a specific moment where I said, well, if you're flying back and forth to those games, we could still be going to jazz games. And Ryan said, that's not how it works. <laughs> They're not going to let us keep those seats. Mm. So, I mean, it was just really hard. And I do not say no a lot at all. And we are pretty good at listening to each other's opinions and and finding common ground. But I was having a really hard time with that one. So Because it's out of state. I mean, I knew he'd be gone a ton. But owning an NBA franchise was like a dream of his. Right. right. And there's 30. Yeah. So it's like those opportunities don't come up very The chance of you getting the opportunity is very slim. Very. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it was hard for me to say no because 
tell your husband, I'm sorry that your dream is in front yeah. of us. And I'm, I'm the one saying no. I mean, that doesn't even sound like me right now retelling the story. But it just, it wasn't right. And I, I knew it wasn't right. And I, I didn't know how to let go of that. Yeah. So I said, why don't you talk to Gail one more time? I don't, maybe down the road there's a possibility here in Utah. So he called the other opportunity and said, we're going we're gonna to pass. This isn't going to work for us. And that was a very hard moment for him. And we kind of thought we were shutting that door. And we were going to be the best patch sponsors yeah. of all time, right? We we're going to go for it on that path. And there was a lot of peace in that. And I think he felt peace in that too. And then fast forward, you know, four or five, six months, and we get a phone call. You know, are you still interested in sitting down with Gail? Awesome. And and <laughs> it kind of developed from there. It also was not an deci- easy decision from there. It was a big decision and a big change. And it still took a lot of conversations. And, you know, one in particular that's very memorable at our kitchen table, I think it was three in the morning. And that was kind of our final, are we going to do this? And we decided, like, what had to be in place for us to say yes and what our intentions were and what we had to make sure stayed most important with that move and with our family. So, you know, we kind of made those decisions right there that night in that moment is when we decided, okay, we're going to do this. So, yeah, because buying the jazz that just puts your whole family spotlight on the Smith family, right? Literally at every game, you can see the cute <laughs> Smith family sitting there on the sidelines. Okay, I'm just so curious. Okay, vision for what this is going to look like, the Smith family and the Jazz. And so far, what is like the standout highlight memory that your family has had? Oh, wow. I mean, for sure, All-Star Weekend was such a dream on every level. And, it, and we will all remember so many moments of that weekend forever. But I think maybe this is hard to articulate as not maybe one moment, but moments where we get to say, oh, this is not going the direction we thought it was going to go. This it's far better. Right. And and moments when we get to see our family unify or we get to see people in Utah unify over something and come together. We live in such a divisive world that any time we have a moment of people coming together to love something together. I mean, that's part of the reason we did it. It's really rewarding and it makes a lot of hard moments worth it. And so I would just say that's kind of right now what we're enjoying is those little glimmers of of love and bringing people together around something. Yeah. So, well, and that's one of the reasons why Chatbooks decided to sponsor the jazz this year. It's been so fun to have that partnership because so fun. I didn't know this, but basketball brings people together. Like going to the games is such a fun family experience. And I love that that. You is, see, you see yes, why I, I couldn't do anything you else. To, you have to do it. <laughs> um, and just making those memories. And it's been so fun for us to have that partnership. And, and also like just like you said, shining a spotlight on Utah, because I'm not originally from Utah. I didn't think I would ever live in Utah, but we've been here for the last 10 years and it is a very special place. And so being able to be part of that, it's bigger than basketball. And so that mission, the vision to touch the community outside of the arena is so impressive. And tell us really quickly, some of the things that you're able to do. I know Ryan was telling me about the scholarships. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, that was a really cool thing 
to be a part of. And we like the idea of also improvement, like I've mm-hmm. said. Yes, so we think Utah is amazing. But obviously, there are places where we can improve and we can grow. And, and diversity is one of those, right? Yeah. And so, we, yeah, this idea that every win could provide someone who's underrepresented the opportunity to get an education. And it has been so cool to be a part of. We have really cool activities with these students and we're able to work with them and meet with them and spend time with them. And they are so inspiring. And those are the people I want the future of Utah to be able to have as leaders, right? We want our future in their hands for sure. And we want them to stay here and we want them to help our state and to keep on the growth path. So it's been really fun. And for those two seasons where every win created a scholarship, it was also fun to see the players get excited and be a part of it. And we we had a lot of players feel very passionately about this program. So it was cool. It's been it's been fun. Well, outside of the ways that you're able to make a difference through the jazz organization, you personally are involved in so many things. You're, I know you're on the board for Utah Ballet. Ballet um, West. Yeah. Ballet West. <laughs> the First Lady, Abby Cox's initiative, Show Up Initiative. Your family foundation has donated to countless organizations like Encircle. I love the work that you've been able to do with Encircle. How do you decide where to spend your time and resources? There's so many worthy causes. Like what, what's a deciding factor for you? Well, first of all, we're just lucky to be in these positions where we get to, to give, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we feel blessed to be even in that position, but yeah, our foundation and us personally, we kind of go back to those non-negotiables we like to invest in things that are creating growth for our state. And we like to invest in things that are about love. We also are very passionate about youth. So when those things align, we want to talk. So, I mean, in circle is huge for us because it is all about love. I mean, their motto is no yeah. sides, only love, right? And primary children's is all about kindness and love and helping youth, right? So, you know, when those things align, we're on board. So what about people that don't have a platform like the jazz or the financial resources? What advice would you give to them to find a way to give back in a meaningful way? Yeah, well, first of all, I would say always trying to have an external focus has been a really big part of who we are with or without the jazz platform. So and it's been a saving part of who we are in yeah. hard times, getting outside of yourself and focusing it outward. For anyone, right. that is a saving so, focus. But man, in this state, we are such a generous state and such a giving state. I mean, we have been ranked that over and over again, right? But we have justserve.org. Yep. You can go on there and literally the service opportunities are endless. So just getting involved. What do you like? What are you passionate about? Figure out those non-negotiables and go find foundations or nonprofits or organizations who are serving in that way. And you don't need millions of dollars to make a difference. Time is our most valuable resource. The greatest sacrifice is time, right? We only have 24 hours in a day, but we all can make a difference if we can just find a little bit of time to... Yeah. And if we can, even if our difference is being externally focused... And someone else may be deciding, 
I want to be externally focused and someone else. I want to, because if we are living in a world where most people are focused outside of themselves, yeah, what a great world. I mean, that can just be a smile or a nice conversation in the grocery store. I mean, we're all so inwardly looking at our phones and planning our days and thinking about how we feel. That's great counsel for us as moms, but also to pass on to our kids to teach them that like the solution to a lot of their problems is just to forget about themselves. Right. Right. Think right. about others. Okay. I want to pivot to motherhood because we can't talk about time without thinking about, you know, motherhood. Because when we moved to this neighborhood, um, I remember going to church and sitting behind you and your family and your kids were all so darling and little. I mean, my oldest was heading off to college. And Declan was starting kindergarten, and I was feeling all of the feelings, like time was slipping away from me. And I was kind of mourning that a little bit, you know, the fact that our family was all growing up and changing. Um, But there you were, your beautiful little young family. And now your baby is, what, six? (laughs) And you have teenagers? So so tell me, how is this phase of motherhood treating you? I mean, I'm definitely counting down and I need to stop. Ryan tells me all like the time. when Savvy's going to move right. out. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, well, just the time in my household where I have all my children. It's so special. So I'm trying very intentionally and very hard to enjoy right now because it is a good time. I don't have babies anymore. I don't have strollers anymore. Yep. And, and, and we can all play the same game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not all of them, but some, some games we can all play. So it definitely feels like I'm in a sweet spot and trying to just enjoy the moment. But man, motherhood's hard. It is mm-hmm. just this moving constant target, growth. constant growth. Oh my goodness. Constantly. And moving, it's always a different goal and it's always changing and morphing. And so, so what, what's been the most surprising thing to you about motherhood? And what advice would you give to younger Ashley, younger mom Ashley? Yeah, I mean, younger mom for sure is relax. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. Because it is just, I mean, you know this because yeah. you have more children than me, but like how I raised the first versus, you know, Violet as a toddler, so mm-hmm. insanely different. So give yourself a break, be a little kinder to yourself, relax. It's all going to be okay. I mean, for sure, that's the advice I would go back and give. Mm-hmm. And probably in a decade, I'll say that again about me today. Like, I was dreading teenagers, but I love teenagers. I was yeah. surprised. Agreed. Think, yes. Yes, <laughs> for sure. That's been very surprising, is loving teenagers. It's been very surprising that I would, I'd, I probably would have never guessed how much I would choose them over friends or, yeah. I mean, I choose them over everything because literally I want to be with them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't foresee that, I think. I knew I would love them unconditionally, but I didn't know that I would choose them over friends or I, you know. Yeah, I remember my mom saying that I, I have a sister who is very, very social and it really concerned her that my mom didn't play tennis and go on lunch dates and have girlfriends. And my mom would always say, I don't need friends, I have children. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I didn't really understand that either at the time, but I am totally with you too. If I had to choose anybody to spend my time with, it's my kids. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to have some of them get a little older and develop the friendship even more. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I make sure mother I'm a mother yeah. always. But I just I never would have guessed. I kept thinking, and now my work is done. And you're graduating from college. OK, now I'm done. <laughs> that is not the case. Like a mother's work is never done. But remember that advice to younger <laughs> Ashley. It's all going to be OK. Like right. It's all going to be OK. But you're like always a mother 
even I woke up at 3.30 in the morning last night worrying about thinking about a kid and I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm like, well, that's just my mother brain, you know, doing its thing. So, Which I'm also grateful for. I mean, because that helps in the moments when I start counting down Mm -hmm. of kids leaving my home that I remind myself, I do get to be their mother forever. They're going to come back. You'll see plenty of them, I promise. (laughs) Okay, balancing it all. This is something that is like, people always want to know, how do you do it all? Okay, Ashley Smith, you are an entrepreneur, owner of the jazz, involved in so much philanthropy, five beautiful, busy kids. How do you do it all? When people ask you that question, what is your answer? I mean, I truly hate the question. I know. Me too. And I don't but know I have if to you ask. have seen this. Have you seen Tina Fey's clip when she she says, what's the worst question women can ask each other? It's not, it's not how did you lose all your baby weight? And it's not how is, how's your marriage? And it's not, those aren't the hardest questions. It's how do you do it all? How do you mm-hmm. juggle it all? Because none of us do. And actually the question brings feelings of guilt yeah. in me because I am not. Should I be doing it all? I'm not doing it all. And I'm failing and dropping balls all over mm-hmm. the place always. And I don't have any interest in putting off the perception that I am. Yeah. I actually don't because I don't think that's helpful either. Yeah. It's it's not helpful for anyone to put off the idea that we can be superwoman because we can't. Yeah. We need to just focus on what we're passionate about and what we're good at and what we feel good doing and what we want to grow at. But no, I'm dropping balls all the time and it is it is a mess all the time. So the most important thing is family and fostering that connection. So what are the things you do besides going to the jazz games? Like what are the things that you do in the Smith family, like daily rituals or traditions that help bring you guys together? Yeah, I mean, we for sure have some daily rituals. We play the glad game every single morning. The Glad Game. What is Glad that? Glad Game. It's from Pollyanna. <laughs> I've we... never seen that movie. Okay. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah, you've shocked. got a family activity this weekend. <laughs> okay, um, but tell me, what is it? We just, we go around and everybody says two things they're glad about. Okay. And I really like, instead of, it's just, you know, a spinoff from what I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. But Glad kind of gives the idea that we're immersed in gladness, right? Our whole body is glad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's yeah. something I like about being glad. And it's just slightly enough different from I'm thankful for. That feels heavier. That like it has to be something really serious and important, but it's okay to be glad that oh gosh, it's crazy. Yeah, or totally. <laughs> yeah, which is what they always are. I wouldn't say they're heavy ever, but it is fun. And we play it every single day. I actually play it with my students in every class as well. We play it in the morning and just kind of starts the day off with gratitude and the the best thing has been when a kid gets in the car kicking and screaming because of whatever has gone down in the house and I'm not playing today I'm not playing but but the rule is we all play you have to. we all participate and I have seen a mood change by the time we get to the school yeah and it helps remind me when I'm in a hard spot okay back it up <laughs> what are you actually thankful for it it, it helps soften it right yeah. So it's not going to fix it all, but it helps soften things. So that's a ritual we have. And then we play worst and best every night. So is that like highs and lows? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, just our version of highs and lows. And we don't we always do. And in fact, it is to the point where if Ryan and I are traveling, my kids have to call and do worst and best because they can't go to sleep without worst and best. It's kind of a connection moment on days when it's been crazy. Well, I love how you start the day with that positivity because it's contagious and, you know, 
mornings can be stressful. There's bound to be a little no, bit of contention. Mornings are not but <laughs> easy. They're right. not my favorite. But being able to send them off with a little burst of positivity is awesome. But then also being able to reflect on the day and recognize that it doesn't have to all be, you know, puppies and rainbows. It's it's okay to recognize that there are also hard things and to be able to talk about those and give your chance. I think that high and low, what do you call it again? We call it worst and best. Worst and best, happy, I, I sad, end with the happy. Yeah. So I've, yeah. But having the habit of being able to talk about the happy stuff, but also the right. stuff that's hard is such a great skill. Well, and providing the opportunity to talk about the stuff that's hard, I think is important because, you know, I've heard this a couple times in different spots, but, you know, if I want my kids to keep it together in hard moments outside of the house, they got to be able to fall apart somewhere. Yeah. So I want them to know that's in my house yep. so that we can hold it together when it's not appropriate to fall apart, you yeah. know, and then and then you get to let it all out. We have a scheduled time for you to tell me yeah. exactly how you feel. Yeah, it's just, as long as it's in a safe place and you're, we're at home or together in a, in a private place. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the, the message is you can share that with me. I want you to. I want to be the person you share that with. So hopefully that message is. Yeah. Coming out somewhere. Okay. Speaking about connection, I was in your home just recently for choir practice and I was admiring the beautiful photos on your wall. What is your secret to getting a good photo? Because your photos were gorgeous. So number one, what is your secret for getting a good family photo? And what do you think is the benefit, the blessing of printing photos? Yeah, well, the first one, I don't have any secrets. And whoever does, let's go. Just Share beautiful them. children. Put them out. Well, no, because, and actually like, when we talk about life being messy a lot, I talk about like our family pictures and that they are beautiful, a family picture and everyone's smiling and that is not reality. And what, you know, kind of going back to, I actually don't want to put off the perception that we're perfect yeah. and that life is, is smooth and I got this nailed and I'm superwoman because my kids are smiling and, and their hair's done right. Like I actually don't love that moment of, sending that message, but I love being able to go back in time. I love feeling a part of that family yeah. and I love the smiles and I truly love pictures that we take when we're not maybe perfectly mm -hmm. posed. They're not our Christmas card picture because that's where you feel. You go yeah. back to that moment, you go back to that day, that event, and you feel like you were a part of something. Yeah. And and that's what I love about family pictures. And our phones are so amazing now because we get to go through whatever we want, whenever we want and remember and, and be like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Do you remember this? And and we're doing it all the time. Yeah. Right. So I'm, we're so lucky. But more than that, like to have them printed, to have them in books and to sit down and spend that time. Not only did you get the original memory, but to get another Another moment when we were like all on top of each other trying to look at the pages of the book. And everyone's telling their version of totally. what happened. Yes. yes. And and I mean, it's just unifying. And that's that's the most important to me is like these moments when we are connected. We need the perfectly totally. pose. This kind of freezes in a moment what your family was like then, but you need all the in-between yeah. stuff. We, at Chatbooks, we talk about it as everyday magic. Yes. It's the little stuff, and it's not even the stuff you would put on social media, but it captures what it really... What you felt. <laughs> what yeah. you feel and what it's like to be part of the Smith family totally. or the Quigley family, and that is pure magic. Yeah, and I want the smiling, beautiful picture, too. Yeah. I, all, just, I just don't want 
to give off the impression that that's yeah. that's it all. So right? I'd love that you are deliberately trying not to give that impression. But you're also not on social media. How do what are you doing deliberately to put that public, you know, facing image out um, there? I don't know. I'm not. I, I think social media is so wonderful in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So, so wonderful. But I have had a hard time with it personally in terms of, you know, emotions I feel. And I think I need the I need the good to outweigh the bad. Yeah. And I didn't always land there when I was on social media a lot. So but that is a very personal decision. Mm-hmm. And I have zero judgment about any level of social media use or, you know, whatever we're putting out. But that wasn't the best for me internally. But in terms of, I don't know, I'm not, we are being the best we can. And we're trying to remind each other in our home of that goal, that we just want to be making the best decisions we can and accepting those decisions and screwing up all the time and being in the middle of messes all the time and being able to pivot and be flexible and learn from it and grow from it. And the universe is creating hopefully the best version of ourselves. So I don't know that I spend a lot of time on. You just I don't are know. who you are. I don't know. Yeah, I'm too busy and like w- trying to. What you do. And this is <laughs> what I think is so important that it's like more than what you look like or what image you're putting out on social media. It's like actually what you're doing. And you, Ashley and Ryan and the Smith family, you walk the walk. You are doing good. We are trying. And, <laughs> and it's beautiful to see. I saw a video of you and your kids in the storehouse during All-Star Weekend, like filling, what were you guys filling? Food we were boxes. filling food boxes, yes. yeah. I mean, that is, that's amazing. Well, Just that was, the, doing... I mean, the NBA came into our state and they they left their mark and it was amazing and impressive and awesome to be a part of. So yeah, things like that where, I mean, it was something like 270,000 boxes of food yeah. went out around our state that day. So it was cool to be a part of. Are you kidding? Like, I jump on any chance to be a part of something cool like that. And that so. got pressed because it was NBA All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. But because I know you, I know that you and your family are doing these things that all the time that don't get pressed. I, so. We're trying. Uh, actually, <laughs> you are a mom that I admire. And I'm so grateful that we got to spend this. This is as much time as we spent together. For sure. And it's, <laughs> it's been super fun. And similarly, I very much admire you and tell my kids to be the boss of their brain all the time and think about you every time I say it. And also, I mean... I, I think every mother is worth admiring, and so I have mm-hmm. a hard time, right? I don't think I deserve accolades over anyone. I do happen to be in a spotlight, so hopefully, like, I can share a few things that work for me, and then you can share things that work for yeah. a few things that work for you, and you can share a few that work for me, and that's how we have to do this motherhood, womanhood thing. Yes. But, I mean, we're just trying our best. Yes. Ashley, that is what the mom force is all about. So much good stuff here. Don't you just love how real she is? And you guys, her kids are so lovely and grounded too. It is seriously so impressive. Okay, if you want to learn more about the work that Five for the Fight and In Circle is doing, I will put links in the show notes. And feel free to join us as we root for the jazz this season. And as always, if you are liking the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review. Until next time.